Ephesians 2, 3 through 6. Among whom also we all had our conversations in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others, but God. Oh, what a difference. I said, what a difference. But God, who is rich, somebody say rich, in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you're saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us to sit in heavenly places, amen, in Christ Jesus. What an encouraging scriptures here this morning. John 15 and 13, just one verse, greater love hath no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. Lord, we come before you today with a hunger, a hunger for you to speak to our hearts. Lord, you know us better than we know ourselves. And, Lord, you love us more than anyone could ever love us. And, Lord, we bring ourselves before you to be attentive, to open our hearts and to receive your word. And, God, that we would give you liberty right now to speak, to move, and to touch our lives and to have your way. God, you're the reason that we came. And, God, I pray, help me deliver your word today. I need your anointing, the unction, and the liberty of the Spirit. And, God, upon each of us as we receive your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to title this today, A Love Greater Than Judgment. Our theme this year is greater, so you may hear that. Several times over the course of the next few weeks and maybe even months on different subjects, but uh, a love greater than judgment. Everybody say judgment. Now, that is, you know, I don't want to go stand before the judge with any crimes on my back or, you know, something in my case that may cost me some time or some fines or some troubles because that's his job. Amen, is to execute judgment from what's written in the law books. But we all are familiar and understand that we all, as a people, if we're not ready to meet the Lord, haven't been washed in His blood, born again of the water and the Spirit, those that are brought up from that are not saved are going to stand before the great white throne of judgment. And that's scary because... We can't remember all the things that we've done. But God keeps a good record. And so man will stand before God with all of his works, and the judgment will come from the books. The Bible says we'll be judged from the books, out of our works from the books. And so we understand that that day is coming, and when that day comes, as the Bible tells us, as, as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. If death was just in itself the end of it, but judgment comes thereafter. Amen. And so we do understand that this is speaking about the final judgment. And those that are not ready to meet God will be, this is the second death. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. 
This is the second death. This is not something that uh, sounds good. We all are concerned about it. We want to make sure we avoid that. If we, don't, if we don't accomplish anything else in life, I mean anything else, if we can bring our lives to the Lord, no matter where it's been, no matter the condition that is, that is, that is in currently, no matter our past or no matter what failures we've had, we come to God as we are. He loves us just like we are. And if we come to Him and surrender it all, He washes away our past. He makes us a brand new person. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, we're a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things are passed away and behold, all things become new. You know, often we said, at least I did when I was in the world before God filled me with the Holy Ghost, and I'm sure you have as well. I heard someone say it. I wish I could start all over. How many of you have ever said that? But guess what? We can't go back in time and begin to relive time, but we can enter a brand new time and be born again of the water and of the Spirit, and we become new creations, if you will, or a new creature in Christ Jesus, and that all life is passed away. But behold, there comes a new life, and there becomes new things. Praise God. Everything becomes new. Why? Because we're entering into a kingdom of God. That is a new life in a new world for us. I want to come not to focus on judgment. We know that is a sobering truth that one day people will stand before a holy God. Hello? A holy God. But what I want to talk to us today is about the life before judgment. Because that's what matters. And judgment may seem like a hard or uh, a time, but it's basically the fulfillment of his word. But my focus this morning is about what comes before judgment, and that is love and mercy. Hello? Somebody said love and mercy. You see, God's more interested in love and mercy than he is judgment. God looks forward to operating and functioning with mankind in the midst of their lives through love and mercy, knowing that one day judgment would come. Do we realize why God is so focused on love in our lives and why he is so merciful and why his grace is so sufficient? I'll tell you why. He knows there's a day coming that lost mankind will stand before him at judgment, and he's doing everything he can to inter intercept that and come in between judgment judgment in us to bring us to a place that his love and his mercy well hallelujah I'm going to pick up this piece of paper because it's bugging me I'm sorry forgive me oh clap your hands to Jesus aren't you thankful for love and mercy everybody say love understand God is love God doesn't just love. He is love. In fact, the reason he created mankind was not to have someone to love him. But the reason he, why do we have babies? Why do we have children? We don't want to have kids say, oh, I want them to love me. I want them to wait on me. I want them to do all this stuff for me. When I'm old, I want them to take care of me. That's not why we have children. We have children because it's a natural process, a part of our DNA. 
And we have them because we want to love them. And oh boy, do we love them. Hello? I'm telling you, when those babies are born, there's a brand new world comes in our life. My mother told me when my oldest was born, she said, you're about to find out what love is, real love is for the first time. And was she ever more right? I mean, there's no love. Look at Brother Mark back there holding that grandbaby. Oh, hallelujah. There's just a love that compasses our comprehension. We've never experienced it before. We've loved people. We, we, we've loved our parents. We love our spouses. But when that little baby comes into this world, there's a love beyond anything we've ever experienced. And it is no match to how much God loves us. It just gives us a little bit of an insight. It gives us just a little bit of a feeling of what God loves us. But it's far beyond anything we could ever experience. I just want you to understand this morning how much God loves you. Sometimes we can feel like we're such a failure. We, we've made such bad mistakes in life. We've made terrible choices. We've walked down paths of life that's caused heartache and woe to ourselves and to others. And so we feel like there's no hope and that nobody could really love us, especially a God that is perfect. But I want to encourage you today, regardless of how we've once lived or how you may currently live, that God loves you unconditionally. You can't do anything to make God not love you. You can't hide from the love of God. You can't run from the love of God. You can't get mean enough or bad enough from, that God will no longer love us. His love is unconditionally. Why? Because we belong to Him. We're His children. Hello? And he loves us. Jeremiah says in 31 and 3, And the Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. It's not part-time. It's not based on your highs and your lows, your good and your bads. It's not based on any of that. He said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Now watch to this next part. He said, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Have you felt, ever felt a tug on your heart? Have you ever felt a move, an ideal or a thought or, or, or a need to draw close to God? It didn't come from you. It didn't come from circumstances in your life. It come from a God who loves you and says, I want you to come and be a part of me. I want to fill you with my spirit. I want you to come into my kingdom. I want to make you a new person. And therefore, he don't leave us where we're at. He don't leave us the way he found us. He don't just let us go down life's journey and make a wreck of it and end up in hell. But his spirit is going to come and it's going to draw. It's going to deal. It's going to move on us because he knows that one day judgment is coming. And he loves us too much to leave us where we're at. Aren't you thankful today that God loves you too much? There's testimonies all in this house this morning. Former drug addicts, former alcoholics, former whatevers, all through this building. I've heard your testimony. There's some I may have not heard, but we all were a wreck. The Bible says the way of a transgressor is hard. We found that out to be true, but we found something else. We found through the love of God that there's hope, that there's a life change. I'm not stuck to that old life. He made me a new man. He took away alcohol. He took away drugs. 
drugs. He took away those lifestyles, and he gave us a brand new life. That's the greatest miracle of all. But he did it because of love. Everybody say love. Aren't you thankful God loves you? Don't, don't ever think God don't love you. You may feel unlovable at times. You, you may feel like nobody loves you. Rest assured, God loves you. Let me tell you how much he loves you. David said this, who is man that thou art so mindful of him? David's just struggling, Sister Deborah, with this ideal that God's so involved and so concerned and so ahead of his life and so involved in, in reaching him and shaping him. And he says, who is man that thou art so mindful of him? I tell you who we are. We're his children. And he loves us. I can't iterate that enough. Everybody say, he loves us. Woo, glory. Let's find out how much he loves us. You ever had somebody tell you they loved you, and you say, well, how much do you love me? You know, we do that with our kids. Love you to the moon. I love you this much. I remember when, with Clay and the girls, we'd say, you know, I love you. How much do you love me? I love you more than a billion skies. Because they would say, I love you big as the sky. I'd say, I love you more than a billion skies. Well, how much does God love us? You ever wonder? I'll tell you how much he loved us. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, it says, But God commendeth his love toward us when we got our act together. He commended his love toward us when we finally started to straighten our lives out. Nope. His love wasn't just activated at a point that we begin to turn toward him. Mm -mm. But God commendeth his love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Think about that. He died in our stead. Because we can't pay the price for our own sins. Romans 6 and 23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. Speaking of the second death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Oh, praise God. It didn't stop with a period there, but there's a comma, me more to come. The wages of sin is death. But I got news to tell us. There's more to the story. It doesn't end there. But there's a comma that more to come means that tells us there is a gift. And that gift is eternal life, and it's available to us all. Everybody say, it's available for me. It's available to all of us. He loved us so much. John 3.16 says, for God... So loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but inherit eternal life. Oh, praise God. Aren't you thankful for that? Oh, praise God. Everybody say, God loves me. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nobody. Nothing. No time. No sin. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Let's move a little further in Isaiah 53, 3 through 6. The prophetic words of the coming of Jesus Christ and crucifixion. Now think about it. He loved us that he died for us. Well, we got to think about the death he died. He would love us so much that he died because there needed to be bloodshed. 
to wash away our sins. There needed to be stripes on his back to heal us of our sickness. By these stripes you were healed. He loved us so much that he died a crucifixion death. The slain lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. He did no wrong. He was perfect. He was without sin. But he died for us. Folks, if that ever gets where it doesn't touch our hearts. He died for me. I didn't deserve that. You know the old saying, it's true. When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. Come on, all mankind was on his mind. He died a horrible death of crucifixion because he loved us. He, he, he could have bypassed it, but he loved us. God expresses his love. I was talking just recently about the love languages. I almost titled this God's love language, but I didn't. How do we express love? Our love language really means this is how we typically express our love. How we communicate that love, whether it's through a gift, whether it's through affirmation, whether it's, you know, touchy, whatever it is, we express that love through different ways according to our personality. So have you ever thought about how God expresses his love? Let's look at a couple of ways. We know that he did the ultimate of giving his life. Hello? But he expresses his love to us through grace. Everybody say grace. He expresses that love to us through grace because he gives us stuff we don't deserve. He gives us blessings. He gives us benefits. He gives us provisions. He provided those before we were ever born. He provided, the Bible says that uh, he supplies all of our need according to his riches in glory. There's not a need that you and I can come up with that God hasn't already made a way, hasn't provided already to meet our need. How much does he love us? Can you count the number of hairs on your head? If you ever calculated it, you'd have to do it again two or three times a day. The older you get, the thinner it gets. and You know, less number of hairs are there. And then some folks get to the point, they count them pretty easy. There's only three or four up there. But God isn't concerned about how many hairs are on our head. It's an expression of how involved he is and how watchful he is over us. He doesn't care if we got a hundred hairs or a thousand hairs. He is saying, I know you so well. I watch over you so well that I see the hairs when they fall and subtract them. And it's not about that. It's about you. It's about I. It's about his love for us. His eye is always upon us. His heart is always with us. His hand is always over us because he loves us. The world needs to know that God loves them. Mm. He expresses it through grace. His protective hand. There's so many things that God did for us through grace, we'll never even know them. In fact, I'll go a little further. The most things, the majority of things that God does for us through grace, we won't even know it. Because it happens every single day. The grace of God. The Bible says daily. Everybody say daily. He loadeth us. 
I don't know if that, I don't know about you, that sounds like a whole lot. He loadeth us with benefits. We ought to wake up every morning of our lives saying, God, I thank you for the benefits. I thank you for the blessings. I thank you for what you have provided for my life. You didn't have to do it, God. And I certainly don't deserve it. But that's why it's called grace. God, thank you for the benefits. But then we go a little further to another expression of God. And I try not to be much longer this morning. How else does God express His love to us through mercy? Every one of us are recipients of mercy. Grace is getting something you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what I do deserve. Hello? Mercy is standing in the way. Of judgment. Hello, somebody. Mercy is being there to forgive us. David said this multiple times, and especially in Psalm 119. You'd have to go through and count it. I'm telling you, it's a ton of times. Almost in every verse, if not in every verse. But mercy endureth forever. Why is David repeating himself over and over, verse after verse after verse in that long chapter of Psalm 119? He's driving it home. Don't you forget it. Every day I want to be mindful. I want to acknowledge God in all of my ways that he shall direct my path. But I want him to know that I praise him for his mercy. I can't make it without his mercy. I would be a wreck without his mercy. I would be dead already or in prison for the rest of my life if it wasn't for his mercy. You know, I think about, if you had to stop and think of what is one of the most merciful acts that's ever came into my life. Before I ever got the Holy Ghost, of course, I was busted. I was caught with over 300 marijuana plants. Shame on me, you're right. My mother shamed me too. Not proud of that. I was looking at time in prison. I didn't want to go to prison. I didn't have any money, Brother Shannon, to buy my way out. I didn't know any senators. (laughs) To beg for their help. I didn't know any judges to call for mercy. We were poor in poverty. I didn't have a dad to go to bat for me. Hello? Hello? Didn't have any of that. I was at the mercy of the court, of the sheriff. But I really wasn't. I was at the mercy of God. How did I know that God had plans for me down the road? That he said, boy, I don't need you to go to prison. You, you, you messing up and you doing some bad stuff. But I got a plan for you. I need you to preach my gospel. I need you to pastor my church. So I'm going to step in with mercy. Hello? And I, I was standing behind bars in Lawrence County Jail when the sheriff throwed them in the garbage and never charged me with them. He didn't even like me. He didn't like my brother. He'd been trying to bust us for years. I don't know why he did it. I was looking at 30 years in prison. Hello, somebody, but God. 
but the mercy of God. I don't know what moved on him. I don't know what got in his head. It wasn't anybody, but it was a God that says, I'm not going to let this happen. I deserved it. Believe me, I deserved everything I would have got. But I'm so thankful today that I didn't get it, that God stepped in and intercepted that sentence and gave me a freedom and a chance to move on with life. I'm preaching to people here this morning. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You've been there and God's done it for you. But I'm also preaching to some this morning that God is standing right there intercepting stuff all day long. You could have already been in prison. You could have already been dead. You could have already been uh, lost your mind in an insane asylum. But God, but God, but God, who is rich in mercy. I'm so glad he don't run out of mercy. I'd have expired all he had before I was 21. But thank God he is rich. He is rich in mercy. And his mercy endureth forever. David said this. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me. All the days of my life. Aren't you thankful for the goodness of God? And the mercy of God that follows us. The Bible says it is the goodness of God that leadeth men to repentance. When we begin to think about who we are, what we've done, how big of a mess we made, we can get our lives in a mess. And we think about how good he is. And we begin to think about, you know, I really don't want to live this way. God's been mighty good to me when I haven't been good to him or to myself. So it's the goodness of God that leads us toward repentance. That says, you know what, I need to change my life. I need to turn things around. I, I could have been gone a long time ago, but since I'm here, he, he's been merciful to each one of us, and he gave us those chances. Then we begin to think, and we say, why not? Why not go ahead right now and make that change? Why not go ahead right now and kneel in an altar at the foot of Calvary? Why not go ahead and get baptized in the name of Jesus where that blood can wash away or remit our sins? See, the reason Jesus died on Calvary because he loves us. But it was at Calvary. I believe it's 2 Thessalonians that tells us with flame and fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel. In other words, break it down for you. If we don't obey the gospel, we're going to burn in hell. That's what it's talking about. Flame and fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel. So if I, I want to obey the gospel. <laughs> I don't want to burn in hell. Hello? So what is the gospel? That's why Jesus went to Calvary. To give us the gospel. Death. Burial. Resurrection. He died the death to pay the penalty for our sin. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. And he resurrected the third day. Hello? Now, how can we obey that? I'm glad you asked me. I'll tell you why. Because the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, when the very first people at the birth of this church asked what they must do to be saved, 
They wasn't asking what they had to do to be a member. Come on, somebody. They were asking, what must we do? And then Peter stood up with the very first plan of salvation ever given. It's still the only one that works. It's the only genuine, original one. God doesn't change his mind. He doesn't change his order of salvation. And Peter stood up with the 11 and said, repent. If anybody ever tells you you don't have to repent, you don't believe them. Luke, Luke 13 and 13 says, Nay, nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Oh, I thank God I get to repent. Aren't you thankful you get to repent? That we can turn it around from where we were. We're not sentenced to a life of that sin. But because that Jesus died, we can repent. And Romans chapter 6 says, when we do that, we are crucified with him and destroy this body of sin. So we repent death to the old man. And then Jesus was buried, right? Well, how are we going to be buried? Remember what he said? And be baptized. Every one of you in the, everybody say the name. Hello. The name of Jesus Christ. Purpose of, for the remission or the removing of our sins. And so, How are we buried with him? The Bible says in Romans chapter 6 that we are buried with him into his death by baptism. And the only way we can be buried with him by baptism is to take on that name, that name that's above every name. Every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The only way we can take on that name is to be buried in the wonderful name, that name given among men whereby we all, we all will worship God and praise him, the Bible says. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. There is no other name. Aren't you thankful for the name? I'm I'm coming to a close. Everybody say, I thank God for mercy. Ephesians 2 talks about our past life. We fulfill the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind. We're by nature the children of wrath, like everybody else. Then he says, but God. But God. Don't rule God out. Give God a chance. So all you got to do is give God a chance. He can do more with your life than you ever dreamed. He can take away stuff you can never get rid of. He can change the way we think, the way we feel, the way we walk, the way we talk. David said it in the psalm. He said, I was in a horrible pit in the miry clay, and he brought me out. Hello, somebody. If you're in a pit today, God's the only one that can get us out. He brought me out, but he didn't just bring us out. The Bible says, but he put my foot up on a rock. Hello? And then it goes on to say, and he established my goings. He began to set my direction. He began to show me the way to live, the the way to operate in life, the way to walk a life. He established that, not just pointed it out, but he stayed with us till it was an establishment. And then he said, he put a new song in my mouth. Woo! Hello, somebody. I said he put a new song in our mouth. It's a song of praise and a song of worship and a song of thanksgiving. That's when we wake up in the morning be singing the praises to God. Because look where he brought us from. My, my, my. Let's stand together. Everybody say mercy. James. Think about the woman called the act of adultery. 
She was caught in the very act of adultery. Now, that was terrible sins as they're so rated in the biblical days. In fact, it was so bad they stoned them. Stoned them. And so here they come. They caught her in the very act. They stand and they bring this woman who was caught in the act and threw her at the feet of Jesus. They didn't know what they had just done. They were throwing her to be stoned, not knowing they were throwing her at the feet of mercy. You know the story. Jesus wrote on the ground, you know. He probably named some of their sins. They left out. He that was not seeing among you cast the first stone from the eldest to the youngest. They dropped their stones and walked away. He looked at her. And here's the point I'm trying to make. He looked at her and he said, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Where'd everybody go? Those that brought you here with the intent of you being stoned, executing judgment on you. All the way here, their intentions were judgment be poured out upon you. He said, where are those thine accusers? She said, no man, Lord. He said, neither did I condemn thee. God didn't come to condemn us. Too often we condemn ourselves. Too often we let others condemn us. But Jesus didn't come to condemn us. He looked at her and he said, go and sin no more. Mm. You know what happened that day, Senator? Mercy stood in the way of judgment. Can I tell you today, mercy still standing in the way of judgment. Mercy is still standing in the way of judgment. Because it's doing all that he can, Brother Shannon. This expression of love through mercy is doing all it can to prevent us from that day of judgment. Let's go to James chapter 2, verse 13, quickly and in closing. James 2 and 13. It's a beautiful story, beautiful truth. For he shall have judgment without mercy that hath showed no mercy. The person that shows no mercy is going to have judgment without mercy. That's what it said. That's not my focal point. And mercy rejoiceth against judgment. Let me borrow you just a minute, Senator and Brother Miller. Just stand right here for a minute. a little bit and have a good time. Come back tonight and have another good time. Brother Miller's going to be preaching tonight, so I know we're going to have a good time. Son, you've been doing wrong. You know, you know, you know. You're going to have to pay a price. It's going to cost you. I caught up with you. Payday someday. So we're going to bring you to judgment. Folks, this may seem just be a little illustration, 
How many times has this happened in our life? We're headed toward judgment. But mercy steps in and says, you can't have him yet. You're not going to get him yet. Judgment's not coming yet because mercy is right here. There's more for him. There's things I want to do in his life. I'm not giving up on it. The day is not yet. But mercy stood in the way. Every one of us. Every head bowed and every eye closed. One version of this verse says, Mercy triumphs over judgment. Triumphs. No wonder it rejoices, Brother Miller. No wonder it rejoices because it triumphed over judgment. And now it rejoices. They got another chance. They got another day. They got another opportunity. Oh, praise God. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I love you. God loves you. God has set a time here this day. God has made an appointment with many of you here this morning. God has come to speak to you a love greater than judgment.